Hello and welcome to the season finale of Baby Talk. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, out here in uh, Port Washington, Long Island, recovering from Turkey and getting ready for an awesome weekend of racing. We're going to have it covered all over the network. Definitely one of the high points for me is this uh, Stars of Tomorrow 2 card at Churchill Downs. Lots of two-year-old clues and exciting action that may inform what you want to do in this first of the Kentucky Derby future pools that's also going to be open this weekend. And as I like to do when it comes to two-year-old racing, reach out to a man I consider an expert in such areas, and he happens to work for Gainesway. Isn't that convenient? They're the sponsors of the show. His name is Ben Gowans. Ben, what's going on, buddy? It's funny how that works out, that little connection there, Pete. Uh, everything's great. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to this weekend of racing and and like you said, this is a this is a fun card, full fields, lots of uh, talented horses, lots of uh, lots of improving young horses, which is always something uh, that, that's that's fun to gamble on. Definitely, and that's that's where I've got my eye, and and I think one of the reasons a lot of us love two year old racing so much is is that idea of the traditional handicapping angle of condition. How good is a horse relative to itself? How can it move forward? Because that's where you can sometimes find value when, because it's not always baked into the price the same way as when all these numbers are just staring you in the face. I say we start off at race number eight, where we have an interesting looking two-year-old maiden special weight. This is going to go at four eighteen Eastern on Saturday. And we've got a big full field signed on for it. Where does your eye go when looking at this race? This is a pretty wide open race. There, there's no horses uh, on paper that necessarily stand out. I, I guess you have to start with Track Phantom, who's run well in both career starts so far, and he's a horse that will likely be on the lead. He's run uh, two one-turn miles at Churchill and and ran uh, well to finish second to Real Men Violin, who we'll see in the, the jockey club later in the card. Um, but he's a horse that has speed. Um, the, 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 for, for people handicapping this car, the Churchill surface feels like it's, um, been kind to horses inside with speed all week. So, um, if, if that profile continues, he's a horse you have to use. I was curious and I don't, there's ways of finding this information. So you can call this a host fail if you'd like, but I'm curious to know which Rosario's first call is whether it's the seven track phantom or this interesting number 13 hall of fame um also for for asmussen a horse that uh if draws in i think is well worth taking a very long look at given ownership bloodlines etc but i do i think you're right about the uh the likelihood of track phantom proving the best of speed if it, it turned out that uh that, that Rosario ends up on this uh, gun runner out of Flag Day, Giants Causeway dam, would that reduce your interest significantly in a, in a horse like the seven? I'm looking at the overnight now, Pete. It has Joel listed as first call on track Phantom. Okay. Um, but may, that that could just be that, you know, Steve trains both. That could just be because they knew in the, that horse is going to be in the body of the field. Hall of Fame's also entered, uh, was re-entered after he drew the AE on Sunday, um, going seven. But yeah, he's a son of Gunrunner who who brought one point four million dollars up in Saratoga. Um, obviously, he was a very good looking horse up here, and and uh, they name him Hall of Fame. They don't, you know, the Coolmore team doesn't. Um, they, they come up with with good names all the time, but you would 
think that uh, this horse is trained with some ability for them to name him that. Looking at the work tab, that November 6 work in particular, you know, I don't have a clock or report or anything, but the 59 and 8, uh, 5980 looks pretty strong with uh, with Keith Asmussen uh, up for that one, as I as I understand it. it. An interesting horse for sure. What is this? I don't know much about the Asmussen partnership with uh, with the Coolmore team. Is that, a, is that I'm assuming that's a new thing? Yeah, he's trained um, you know a few here and there for them over the years, I believe. But I would assume that's a gunrunner thing as much as anything. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And looking at the rest of this field, there was a couple others I wanted to mention. I mean, with some of these stretch out sprinters, maybe there is some. Uh, you know, I'd put Track Phantom on top, I think, but maybe there is some case that the pace will develop in in such a way. And the other one that I wanted to at least mention was number eleven, Top Gun Rocket going out here as a uh, a Frank Fletcher homebred. I right or wrong my one of just my biases looking at maiden races is I will typically give a homebred that much more chance to improve through its first starts almost regardless of who the trainer is, but particularly in this case where you see Riley Mott and we know who he learned from. So it felt to me like maybe uh, Top Gun Rocket could get the right kind of trip. I was going to probably mostly mess around with the 7 and the 11, and it sounds like the 13 will be going elsewhere. Any other comments on um, on this race before we move it along to some two-year-old stakes action? Yeah, maybe just a few more horses to, to touch on quickly. Stop the press, didn't do much running in his debut at Keeneland, but he's a $1.5 million Uncle Mo Colt that uh, West Point owns a Shug. Um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily bet him to win, but maybe he's one that will improve second time. Domingo ran pretty evenly first time on turf, uh, but he is a brother to uh, Helium, winner of the Tampa Bay Derby. Um, so maybe that sort of running on turf evenly first time translates to running okay on dirt. Uh, he'll get Jose Ortiz up. And then one other horse that I thought ran, uh, ran decently first time in a race that might be live will figure that out. Uh, as we go through this card, is drop top caddy. They were drawn on the outside for Rusty, uh, son of Uncle Mo. He just ran around there, uh, made up some ground late. He's a horse that could improve with the at a distance second time. I like all those ideas of horses that could, at the very least, run on into the frame. And I think you make a key point about these sort of, I don't know what to call it, maybe a cross card collateral form boost where when you're looking at a two-year-old day, you're going to get clues all throughout the card of which of these races might be liver than others, especially if you're the type of player who tracks that stuff. And if you want to go the extra mile, you know, plan ahead and and tell yourself, oh, if such and such a horse does well in race two, maybe that means such and such a horse later is extra live. Is that, I mean, I know you bet on these things as well as the work you do on the bloodstock side. Is, is that the kind of angle that's proved profitable to you at all in the past? Yeah, no doubt. You know, you can't, it's not perfect. It's, it can be apples and oranges, but just in this case for drop top caddy, the first five horses out of that Keelan Maiden are entered to run on this card. So you can get context clues throughout the card and, and use that how you see fit. Love that. Okay. Let's talk about some stakes action. The Ed Brown stakes, six and a half furlongs on the dirt for these two-year-olds. And there's a big standout in here in terms of uh, traditional handicapping the fundamentals as it were that's number nine booth this horse who not only won and won well but did so on the time form u.s scale 
in a way that I found particularly impressive with a pace line of 102, 116, 116, 116. A horse, to me, that suggests added ground going to be um, this one's friend and very interesting looking son of Matoli. Matoli, sorry, we talked about earlier in the year, who has in fact um, picked things up in the last couple of months anyway. Very curious if you're with or against Booth in the Ed Brown. Yeah, from a from a gambling standpoint, Pete, um, you have to use him um, for sure in any sort of multi-race bets. You know, he beat Nash by five and a quarter lengths, and, and Nash obviously came back to win, and, and Nash is very, very highly regarded by his connections. Um, you know, this horse won with a 96 buyer. Nash came back to win with a 95 buyer, improved his buyer by 11 points. So Booth is drawn well. He's obviously very fast. I think you have to start the conversation with him. And the the work tab since looks uh, looks strong as well. Just the fact that there are so many works and not just a one hit wonder out of that race either. Seven have come back to run with two wins and and two seconds. It certainly looks like good form. Who would be the biggest threat to Booth in your estimation? Yeah, there's a few horses to talk about. I mean, one horse. Speaking of Matoli, the the uh, the brother to Matoli, drawn on the inside, um, Bow Street. He's entered in a maiden on Sunday, but he's entered in this race. If he were to run, it's not the easiest post, but you want to talk about speed. He went 21 flat, 44 and 4 in his debut. Um, he was dueling with a horse and uh, nearly won, but just got run down by Bye Bye Liam on the line, who's also in this race. I was quite impressed with the pressure he took and his ability to stay on uh, there. So if he runs, he's a horse that at least factors in the pace, and he, he sh- showed quite a bit of ability in his first race as well. Where, where else were you looking in, in this race as far as other contenders? My idea for the the second horse in the double key, you know, with Booth being a horse who I'd pro- probably play this to have to run first or second, there were just some things I liked about Just Steel, the seven runner. And I think a lot of people are going to look and just think this horse is maybe a little bit exposed just for the the amount of times he's run unusual for two-year-old in this era. But just looking at those races more closely, I I felt like there were some trip excuses and just like class excuses given, you know, maybe there was a little bit too much too soon going on in some of the ambitious spotting with this horse. You go back to that number that just Steele ran at the, at Saratoga and uh, be right there with, with anything other than Booth's, a plus game in this spot. So I thought that one was a little bit interesting and uh, dangerous words as I say them aloud here, but it seems like if Joel Rosario has a good day, I might have a good day too. Never a bad place to be with Joel <laughs> Rosario. I mean, when he's good, he is honestly, I think he really is uh, right there with the best, but I'm, I'm still scarred from big invasion. So just leave my personal bias aside on the, on, on that one. Oof, that was a tough one. Anything else on this one, or shall we uh, proceed to race number 10? Yeah, just to talk about something we, we touched on earlier, uh, Agu won that common race that we'll see throughout the card at Keeneland last time, beating Mystic Dan, uh, linebacker, and a few others. So um, he, this is a, like we were talking about, this is a race that could feature plenty of speed, and he's shown to be able to pass horses, so he could trip out and, and factor uh, at least uh, in the top three. I do love that angle. And it starts to become less relevant this time of year than in, in early summer. But when when you know a horse, even a slower horse on numbers, that has that ability to pass horses and isn't likely to get cooked in a duel, 
love those horses uh, almost as much for underneath keys as anything else. Because usually, especially earlier in the year, one of these speed horses with a monster, you know, pedigree and or workouts is they're they're very tough to beat. But you can sometimes find that theoretically slower horse that has that ability that's going to be able to get in the number because a lot of times in these two year old races. You'll see the second, third, and fourth fastest horses actually end up having really tough trips chasing the first fastest horse. And, you know, maybe you get the seventh fastest horse in there for third, and you can cash some tickets that way as well. Race number nine is the, excuse me, race number nine was the Ed Brown. Race number 10 is the Goldenrod, grade two action for the two-year-old Phillies, mile and a 16th. Uh, morning line terms, They this one looks like a bit of a match between West Sunset and Torpedo Anna. My preference would be for the latter based on that uh, giant run back on November 10th. Um, but I don't know, maybe we can get cute in here. What, what, what was your reckoning of the Goldenrod? Yeah, you have to start with those two. Obviously, Torpedo Anna is going to run for the third time in a month this weekend. She's done quite a bit uh, impressively in, in both career starts so far, and um, she stretches out yet again uh, to the two turns. Um, one horse that I thought um, you know could could get uh, we at least know she'll handle the two turns is intricate. She was pretty impressive winning her uh, her two turn debut there, Keeneland. Made a big sweeping move off the turn and won well. She's a daughter of gun runner, so um, would expect her to, to, to improve again this weekend. My only concern about Intricate, I, I, I like the fact that uh, she was able to close so well without the benefit of a setup last time. But that's a spot where five have come back and not one, um, which I don't love but it definitely seems like a reasonable alternative to the top ones. I think that a lot of the action for West Sunset will come under the theory that she could be uh, loose on the lead in here. I was just thinking that Torpedo Anna wouldn't let her get too far out of the sights and could just get a, as long as the inside isn't too strong. As you mentioned, it's been pretty strong, but I was thinking Torpedo Anna would just get, get the absolutely perfect setup in there. And I don't know. I don't mind that idea of intricate to come running as, as along with that one maybe maybe i'd try to subtly uh fade west sunset in this spot though that's always dangerous with a with a brad cox trainee where do you land on west sunset at the end of the day like you said she she's supposed to be um loose on the lead again uh maybe taking some some pressure from torpedo Anna, but you'd expect her to clear everyone to her inside and make the front and, and you know she was impressive last time obviously vv's dream failed to show up, but um, she she was a filly who made a big move to win her first race and then uh, showed a different style to go gate to wire in her second. So you have to be impressed with her so far. And it'd be interesting to see how they bet this race, Pete. Um, it'd be interesting to see just how much money uh, these two fillies take and, and who ends up favorite amongst the two. Um, I would expect them to both uh, be bet down from their morning lines. I think that's probably right. They're going to probably bet it like no one else can win, and that's going to make maybe the number on a runner like Intricate a little bit too tempting to pass up, at least as one to get in there in between those two or or split those two. It, just, it could be a two-speed number. They run all around the track, I suppose, but I, I like the idea of maybe trying to get something a little bit clever simply because it feels like the whole world is going to be uh, eight seven seven eight when it comes to uh, this year's Goldenrod. Let's talk about the Kentucky Jockey Club, the two-year-old Colts taking center stage here. 
going a mile and a 16th. This was one where I was going to try to get a little bit cute by making a case for number two, Honor Marie. And it's a, it's a softer case in, in the sense of, I can't tell you, you know, numbers wise that, that he looks like the horse to beat. But I love how hard this horse tries. I like the way this horse just, just looked in the races. And I like, I think that second last time, given the position he was in early, was a really, really good second, even though it was beaten by four lengths in the end. And then, I mean, I love the pedigree. I, I, I like, I mean, Honor Code, we've talked about that. We've talked about Honor Code, not so much this season of this show as, as others, but just as a sire whose progeny, I'm just always projecting that improvement with more starts, with more ground. We have that here as well. I, I think, and, and then you know, smart strike on the on the dam side. No, uh, no, Dame Marie, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting good things from from this horse at, at a decent price, but uh, will not will not be among the favorites. That honor likely to go to a runner like number seven, uh, Risk It, or the six uh, Stretch Ride, or maybe even the one Awesome Road. Very curious to see how you separate this group of horses. Yeah, it's a it's a fun group as this this race always is. I thought. Um, I, I sort of thought the race started with awesome road. He was bad last time he, and really no excuse that I saw, but we talk about trainer intention all the time. And, and Brad could have brought this horse back anywhere. He could have brought this horse back in a one X Churchill at fairgrounds. And he decided to run him here. He was very impressive. First time out, it showed a lot more speed in his first race than he did second time. I would expect him to uh, show more speed the rail this time and he's sort of who I um, would start the conversation with but I think you have to talk about risk it as well Steve has skipped all the races after the Iroquois with this horse and clearly pointed him for this race he's a horse that has speed as well and and should uh, he's been you know very good in both starts and and made a big move into that hot pace of the Iroquois last time um, he's a horse that should handle the two turns as well do you give my idea, do you give my uh, Honor Marie idea any count as one who might be able to get up in there, or do you think we're maybe doing Oh, them? yeah, of course, of course. Whip Eklund's horses are really running right now at the meet, um, and we'll see a few of his runners throughout the day. But he's a horse, like you said, who should Im- improve with the distance, who's who's run well in both career starts. He's shown the ability to pass horses. Um, it just might come down to a matter of pace and trip for him. A lot of, lot of positives there for sure. That's a, it's an excellent race and obviously one that'll have a major implications in that, uh, in the, the, the Churchill future wager that, uh, that they have going this weekend. We're going to do a whole other show delving into that, talking to uh, Kevin Kirstein and our own Eric DeCoster about some of their ideas on where the value might be in that bet. I'll, I'll admit for me, it's, I'm as interested academically as much as anything else. And, and of course, always to see what just what the heck happens price wise? Um, you know, the, 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 with the all others category, and you know, just if they, if we if we can come up with any clever ones to to potentially latch onto. Do you do you look at that bet at all, just as a matter of curiosity, if not for wagering purposes at this point? I look at it. Um, uh, generally, not don't do too much gambling on it, but I do look at it. It's it's fun to to see what the what the public. Um, you know what the public is valuing at the time, and obviously there's different stages where you can see uh, compare uh, how horses are bet more in one pool than the other. So it's it's it is a fun bet to to at least watch and, and see how what's going on. 
Let's talk about the nightcap on Saturday. We go to the Fern Creek Stakes for these two-year-old fillies going six and a half and a field of 12 signed up for this one. Do you have an idea of the winner here? Yeah, you almost had me was was quite impressive last time. She she handled uh, that field, including Hot Beach, uh, really easily in the Myrtle Wood. She has speed from the rail that she can use, and um, she's pretty much the standout. Uh, one other horse that I, that I caught my attention was Field Last. She was also in that Myrtle Wood. Um, she made the lead and and really had no answer when you almost had me came to her and she faded to fifth. But if you look back to back when she broke her maiden, she ran a, a big number on on all the numbers and she has the speed and the race over the track. Um, you know, to 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 key her in as maybe one who, if you believe in the bounce theory, maybe you know, in the, if that she bounced last time, maybe you get a bit of a price on her this time. And I don't know if you'll get ten to one, but as far as numbers go, she has the only number in the field that can make could make her competitive. With you almost had me. Where do you stand? typically with the idea of, of, of the bounce. I mean, this one, it's interesting spacing too, because coming right back in the same amount of days before the last run, how seriously do you take that? Is just one data point in, in a sea of data points, or is it something you think you can really use to explain away a performance like that last one? Yeah, I, th- I think you can use it to explain it um, because she, she comes back in a month um, off that that big number, and and Rusty's bringing her back uh, in a month again. So he clearly has the the confidence that she's ready to to run her her best race again. So if you, it's a matter of price to a degree. You know, if you, if you get a price on her compared to the five to one you got last time, it might be worth taking a shot. I think you will get a price. I think a lot of people are going to see you know cracked in the speed last time and now. Uh, coming back against the same same rival and some other speedy ones as well. I think you can make an interesting trip point for her, though. I mean, look, I love You Almost Had Me. That would be my top kick in the race. A little bit of a homer thing here. As folks know, we're very tight with uh, with Reagan Swimbank and the Black Type team who are involved here. And, of course, Guitar Racing are sponsors as well. So, uh, you know, some, some definite uh, some definite homer uh, tendencies here with, with, with You Almost Had Me. But this might be a little bit of a spot for me at the end of the day. It's similar to what I was describing before that I'll often do with the two-year-old races in, in the summer where it's looking for that, looking for that closer and, and the closer to get involved. Again, not sure if Fibber, the two, is going to be able to win here, but this horse was able to run third um, the last day with a with a you know a good setup to run third, but I could see an inside out kind of trip where a runner like Fibber gets up and maybe, you know, I'll play some scenarios where you almost had me blows the field away with logicals Fibber in third and maybe some exactas there and then maybe a small portion of the bet in, in horizontals with Fibber on top in case things just um trip out completely for this uh for this daughter of uh, of Frosted in this spot. I just other than Fibber, I'm not confident who's going to be running late here because I, just the way that it shapes up, it's just a lot of a lot of speed and stalk and pounce types of the trips that I think I think a lot of these horses want to get. Am I missing another closer to maybe try the same trick with? I don't think so. She looks like the most confirmed horse that, like we say, can pass horses. Um, one other filly I think we should talk about is Bella Hayes, who uh, goes turf to dirt and cuts back from the Jessamine to the six and a half furlongs on dirt. You know, 
I guess there's a chance she's just a, a dirt sprinter. She broke her maiden on dirt by three and three quarters lengths at Ellis. She's she's drawn well to get a, a decent stocking trip and her turf races weren't that bad, but but maybe she's she could offer some value uh, on the cutback and um, back on dirt. Very tough races, the two turf races too, you know, with uh, Buku and, uh, you know, Austere, who's all right. And, you know, the, you, if you take the idea that she's just improved and it wasn't the surface that moved her up numerically, yeah, that's a very, very interesting contender and another one who you figure will will be out there in the in the in the second flight, if not the absolute vanguard, twelve to one. Interesting on the morning line for the schizo rider. I really, I, I, I never mind keeping him on side. I think he's, uh, I think he's a bit underrated, at least nationally. Though I imagine people in the Midwest are catching up with him now. Yeah, of course, no, Adam. Uh, Adam, Adam's a strong rider, and uh, he, he can give you a very good ride for sure. Well, this has been fun talking through these races. I feel more confident about uh, wading into these waters after getting your buy-in as well, my friend. And hopefully we'll be back. Uh, our friends at uh, Gainesway will want to do this again, bring us back for a, gosh, is it a third or a, would it be a third or a fourth season at this point for Baby Talk? But it's a good it's a good perspective throughout the year and always kind of fun to come back and, and look at the, the way we've it's evolved over the last few years. The first the, the first show typically for next year would be sort of a where are they now, the two-year-olds of, of 23, looking towards the Derby and then coming back and looking at meets like Ascot and uh, then following the, the two-year-olds all through all through the summer. It's been a pleasure working with you in, in Gainesway. What's been what's been going on on the farm? What's what's sort of the latest news as far as Gainesway goes? I know you had some some success at the key events throughout the year that we've chronicled on here, but any latest news? Yeah, we just wrapped up, uh, you know, uh, a busy few weeks with with the uh, our last yearling sale of the year was the, the Phasey October sale, which is the last week of October, and then uh, we had Breeders' Cup week, and then we roll right into the the two breeding stock sales. Uh, first, the the Phasey Ignite of the Stars, and then the Kilo November sale. So, so we've had a busy few weeks, and. Uh, I think everyone's uh, every everyone's uh, every everyone always in uh, all the farms and all the the consigners around here are ready to, to uh, take a deep breath after we finish up those few weeks. So, um, you know, happy to have Thanksgiving and uh, happy to have uh, great racing this weekend. Based on horses you've seen as yearlings throughout the year and the Gainesway side of things, what, what are you most looking forward to seeing as a, in terms of either Sire's produce or a particular horse? What, what, what are you hoping the Gainesway headlines will be as the calendar turns to 24 and we get the two-year-old racing going again? Yeah, we have McKenzie's first two-year-olds will be on the track in, in 2024. And, you know, McKenzie would be uh, in the top uh, two or three of his class as far as uh, most uh, well-sold and uh, most well-bred to horses, you know, authentics there at the top with him. And and uh, people have really liked the McKenzie's all along. They've been good-looking um, athletic horses. And so we're excited to see them. Um, take that next step onto the racetrack. Uh, it's uh, it's an exciting time uh, over at Gainesway. It's changed so much, right? I feel like there was a time when you'd expect to see first-year sires, first horses coming out at, at Keeneland time, but it feels like that it gets later and later as the, as training trends and everything and everything change. When when do you think we'll, we'll get a line on these Mackenzies on the racetrack? Would, would it not be until the summer meets? Yeah, the... the... <laughs> 
the business ebbs and flows so much, you know, we'll, people, um, we'll, for, we'll first get a line on them, uh, to some degree at the two year old sales because you're finally able to see them, um, perform on the racetrack and people right. will make way too hard of a judgment, whether it's positive or negative, um, whether they go really fast or just only slightly fast and, um, people will come to conclusions at that point, and then three months later they'll they'll run, and and we'll really be able to draw a conclusion. But but you know, like like we talked about earlier, a horse like Matoli, who everyone thought um, was going to have these Keeneland April early two year olds, and he'd be rip roaring early. He sort of started slow, um, and people, you know, I wouldn't say wrote him off, but people got down on him over the summer, and now he's number one on the uh, freshman sire list, first crop sire list. Um, it's a tight race, but, but he's in the lead. And, um, so it's, it's, uh, you just have to have patience in this business and, uh, looking forward to, uh, to seeing those McKenzie on the racetrack. It's going to be fun. And, uh, hopefully we'll be talking about it all here on the, in the money media network, Ben, thank you once again. Thanks to all of our friends over at, at Gainesway. Any final thoughts on the, on the season before we send it home? No, it's been a, it's been a fun year. We, we saw uh, plenty of uh, good two-year-old racing. We saw uh, uh, some good two-year-old racing at the Breeders' Cup, and you know we we have a good fun group of two-year-old colts with horses like Fierceness, who who was so impressive. Um, you, you factor in how good the the field was behind him with yep. with horses like uh, like Moose and Locked, um, who have every right to, uh, to to come back running as 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 three-year-olds in the spring and. And Nysos won last weekend. It's a, it's a fun group of Colts uh, heading toward the Derby. And fast, too. I mean, figure, figure people will not be quick to be saying, oh, you know, average crop. I, I, think, I think the expectations are high. And obviously, we'll be following all those races as well. This show's been a production of In the Money Media for Ben Gowans. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.